I want to thank your preacher for the invitation to be here this evening and to participate in this conference. We consider it a great privilege. And uh, I appreciate this church, the testimony of this church, their love for souls, and what they've done for missions and the cause of Christ for years, decades. And uh, your impact around the world, uh, not just here in the United States of America, but literally around the world, and uh, on so many preachers, so many missionaries, some of the greatest missionaries of this generation, trained right here uh, through Hiles Anderson. And we certainly appreciate that. I want you to refocus for just a moment on verse 16 tonight. To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. I want to preach on that word beyond. Uh, when we talk about the master plan, I think it's found right here. I love missions conferences because it provides us the opportunity to focus on beyond beyond our doors, beyond our cities, beyond our walls, beyond our county, beyond our state, focusing on the world. And here's what you have, uh, a missionary heart here uh, in Paul who said, my goal is to preach the gospel in the regions beyond you. And you have a pastor with that same vision, that same philosophy that shares the heart of God. Look what it says in verse 14. Here's a word we don't like. It's included in the passage. For we, uh, what's the next word say? Stretch. So in order to go beyond, you know what, start, what it starts with? Being stretched. How many realize that having a pastor, a pastor believes in missions, you get stretched. And uh, you'll come tomorrow and get stretched a little more and come back Wednesday and get stretched a little bit more. And Paul said uh, that that has to take place in order for us to go beyond, missions are going to stretch you. And Paul, any man that was stretched in ministry, I believe is Apostle Paul from the very beginning. He's taken in with Barnabas to help there at the church at Antioch. Uh, is it just new in his Christian faith and Christian walk? And he did such a good job, the Bible says, discipling those new converts that those in the area identified them as little Christ. They called them Christians. And as that ministry grew, it became very aware to the church. God's calling upon Paul and Barnabas, and they sent him out uh, into Galatia. And uh, they reached Lystra and, and Derby and Iconium and Antioch Pisidia, and they come back and, and testify. But they're not satisfied with that. Then they go back out beyond once again. We hear the Macedonian call, and, and we find them there in Philippi and then in Berea. And all the way down to Corinth, look what it says in verse 14. When they were stretched, he said, for we are come, what's the Bible say? As far as to you. What would have happened if Paul had not been focused on the regions beyond? The gospel would have never come to Corinth. How many people around the world 2,000 years later are saying, you've not come as far as unto us? I don't care where you go around the world. We were... 15 years uh, altogether in Argentina and Mexico. And we travel around Mexico supposedly evangelizing. You can go to city after city and find places with absolutely no gospel witness where they are still crying out, you have not come as far as unto us because we haven't stretched ourselves. Look what Paul says in chapter 11, verse 24. He talks about being stretched in his ministry. 
it says, of the Jews five times received I 40 stripes, save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. I don't know very many missionaries that would have survived these events and stayed faithful. Uh, you know, we talk about uh, suffering of missionaries. Oftentimes I had people say, uh, you were a missionary, you suffered. I don't know what I suffered. I went to Argentina, we ate steak for five years. Then we went to Mexico and lived in uh, Pachuca, which is actually a little taste of heaven uh, with amazing Mexican food for nine years and uh, people open to the gospel. We suffered uh, very little, but Paul did. He was stretched, stoned, shipwrecked, a night and a day. I would have tapped out right there after a night and a day in the deep. In journeys oft, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils by my own countrymen, in perils by the heathen. In, in, I think my only peril in Mexico was eating too much hot sauce late at night and suffering through heavy acid reflux. That may have been the only peril that I suffered. In perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, weariness and painfulness, watching often, hunger, thirst, fastings, cold, nakedness. And then he says, verse 20, beside those things that are without that which cometh upon me daily, the care of all the churches, Paul was constantly being stretched all for the sake of the gospel and saying, Whatever it takes, whatever I have to sacrifice, whatever I have to suffer in order to go beyond and reach the regions beyond, I'm willing to do it. And here was Paul's philosophy, the fields of world. I'm, I'm fearful that even as pastors and missionaries, we don't have the philosophy that the field is still the entire world. Your location is not your field. God may send you to China or Japan or Mexico or Brazil, and that is your location, but your field never changes. The field is the entire world. I was blessed to hear the testimony about CMI in the vision to get every single man. That is the Great Commission going beyond to every single man and getting them the gospel. Paul had that never-ending vision. I'm, I'm fearful of this. I think our vision is so small that we actually consider our accomplishments great. We truly boast about the little that has been accomplished when there are 7.9 billion people, we heard last night, and 3.5 million of those, statistically speaking, have yet to hear a clear presentation of the gospel. You say, well, Pastor... You didn't read the rest of the phrase because verse 14 says, for we stretch not ourselves. That's the, one, that's the beyond that most Christians like. We stretch not ourselves beyond our measure. And I know some of you look old enough to have had physical problems, maybe surgeries. You've seen a physical therapist and when you're in recovery, they make you stretch. And they make you stretch till you hurt. And when you hurt, what do they tell you? This is going to help you. You need to stretch. You know, most Christians are spiritually stiff. And we have a spiritual therapist called the Holy Spirit of God that, that tries to help us stretch out spiritually just a little bit. Go back with me in chapter 8. Let's see some of the congregations that Paul mentioned that learned to stretch themselves spiritually. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy in their, what's it say? Zeal. 
deep, God is not in the business of exaggerating. We're talking about rock bottom, deep poverty, yet they abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power, I bear record, yea, there it is again. Here comes the word. And what? Beyond their power, they're going to stretch themselves. They were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift. Now, we know these churches of Macedonia, I would say, uh, mostly uh, there at Philippi, but this group of Christians that were so abundantly poor in. And let me just remind you, Christians, we speak of uh, hard times. As we woke up this morning and climbed off our $1,500 mattress and put our feet on nice plush carpet and walked over to a closet to sort through a multitude of clothes, right? And then over to the fridge. The automatic coffee maker was already going, and we chose between three creamers. It, it's rough. It's, it's rough in America, suffering deep poverty. Then, then we stumbled to the door. I know it's cold here, so what many of you did, you hit a button, and it started that for 350 with the touch of a button, heated seats. Right? Say, Pastor, I don't have any of that. We still have enough to rejoice, and we don't fit the qualifications of deep poverty. But these people were what? They were abounding in their liberality beyond, he says, their power. They were willing of themselves. That's stretching. You know, it's, it, it is amazing to me that we're willing to stretch ourselves and make a faith promise commitment when it comes to a, buying a house. Tell me that's not a faith promise commitment. Yeah. 30 years, I promised by faith to pay for this, not knowing what's going to happen over the next three decades. And the next seven years, I'm going to pay for this vehicle. We find ways to stretch ourselves on vacation, but when it comes to reaching the world, going beyond, it's going to take some level of stretching in order to make it happen. I'm talking about individual stretching, corporate stretching. I started preaching missions conferences about 20 years ago, and I came to the realization that as churches were, were feeling miserably in reaching the world with the gospel of Christ. And if you look at the average church and the average missions giving, the Baptist churches that are in the upper echelon will give about $1,000 per person per year. So if they run 100, they give $100,000. If they run 400, they give 400. You get the picture. They run 550, they give $550,000. That puts them in the upper echelon of mission giving churches. Now, if you do the math, that's $20 per person per week. That's not stretching. We have failed in reaching the world because going beyond starts with stretching. Amen. It's hard. It's hard in leadership. It's hard in, in ministry. It's hard to do these things. And Paul said, I'm going to go beyond to the regions beyond. And in order to make that happen, there has to be some kind of stretching that takes place. Go back with me to our text for just a moment. Look what it says in verse 15. 
not boasting of the things without our measure, that is, of other man's labors, but having hope when, uh, here we go, your faith is going to have to be stretched. When your faith is increased, then we shall be enlarged. The missions project shall be enlarged. The mission work will be enlarged. When the church's faith, the individual's faith is increased, I want my faith to be increased in order to go beyond. I want God to do something supernatural through Capital City. I want God to do something supernatural through our ministry and through through, through us. I remember years ago, as this preacher said, as a teenager, that God got a hold of his heart right here at one of the youth conferences. I was at Levon Drive, and the preacher preached the rod of God. And I remember that night, the plate shook. I was sitting in the balcony, and God was working in hearts. I... The, the place was so filled with people at the altar, I couldn't even make my way down from the balcony. I laid down on those steps, and I remember as a 13-year-old kid crying out to God and said, God, I, I have no idea what, what you can do with me. I had no gifts. I had no talents. I had no special abilities. I didn't, I didn't have anything special to offer God. Uh, but here's what I was willing to do. I was willing to offer myself and allow him to do some stretching. Young people, what? What would happen? We, we talk about the money that's given and the, the failure in, in seeing people surrender to go to the mission field. What would happen if, if we just stretched ourselves tonight, young people just stretched their faith enough tonight to come lay down on the altar and say, God, if you would like to use me, if you want to use me, I want you to know I'm surrendered and willing. Amen. I'm not talking about a calling. I'm talking about just voicing to God a willingness to be stretched to have your faith stretched, to allow God to increase your vision, to move past your comfort zone, to move past your fears. I'm, I'm fearful that we have a Christianity today that wants no rest. We, we literally want to live in a spiritual safe zone. And in order to reach a world, we have to have a church, we have to have leadership, we have to have young people, we have to have a, a college students, we have to have an entire church body willing to embrace the risks that are necessary to reach a lost world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm talking about every comfort zone that we find. And we look, as we come to churches, we look for a comfort zone. Years, uh, years ago when we were in Mexico, uh, we, we started to work down there. We're passing out all kinds of tracts and flyers. And one day uh, a young man showed up at church and he brought a, a worn out tract that we had uh, left there at the house. And after service, he wanted to talk to me. He told me his testimony. He said he was uh, just a druggie. And he was coming down off of a high. He was laying in the bathroom, found that track on the floor. Picked it up and he read it. God got a hold of his heart. On the back, there was a prayer. He said, I couldn't believe it, preacher. It, it, it said, God forgive me. And, and it promised that God would forgive me. And he said, so I went back and I read it again. And I got to that prayer and I said, God, if, if that's really true and you'd forgive me my sin and, and come into my heart to save me, I, I'd like for you to do that. He said, Pastor, I prayed and something changed inside of me. He said, I found your address here in the bottom of the track. He started coming to church. After a while, he started going sewing with me. Now, you can understand, Alfredo had done enough drugs that uh, he was uh, missing a few breaks. He was, had a few cables disconnected. And after a while, he said, Preacher, when are you going to let me talk? I, I wasn't willing to take that big of a risk. 
I said, you know what, Alfred, well, here's what we're going to do. I gave him a list of 10 verses, and I said, I, if, once you memorize those 10 verses, I'll, I'll let you speak one of these Saturdays, thinking that'd be an obstacle too large to overcome, but it wasn't. The very next week, he came back and quoted all 10 verses. I was stuck. So that Saturday, I said, here's what you do. Quote him a few verses, invite him to church, and then step back and let me take over the conversation. Well, he knocked on the door, a lady answered, and Alfredo began to go through those verses. He quoted all 10, and the next thing I know, he was witnessing to that lady. 45 minutes later, he had taken her all the way through the gospel. She didn't get saved, but she promised to church. The next day, she came to church with her family. Mary and her, like half of Mexico, Maria, her name was actually Maria de Los Angeles, but she came to church with her family. They got saved. She brought her mother, who taught catechism classes for 30 years at our local Catholic church, one of the biggest trophies of grace that we've ever seen saved in our ministry, and her, her family started getting saved. She had a brother-in-law got saved, worked at a factory down the road. He started witnessing to people. They started getting saved. We planted a church in Sagún, Mexico, as the fruit of that one door knocked by a kid who had burnt brain cells because of drugs. Now, that's not even the end of the story. Her other boy, who was about seven years old at the time, studied, went to the ministry, and has now planted a church just outside of Monterey, Mexico. Amen. And I told Alfredo, last time I saw him, Alfredo, you're the only person I know in this on this planet that the very first door that they knocked on resulted in the salvation of dozens of souls and two church plants, the very first door. You know why? Because someone got outside of their comfort zone. Someone decided to stretch themselves and go beyond, and that's what missions is all about. You read Hebrews 11, that book of faith, that chapter of faith, you know, it's about risk takers. And we don't, we don't have to point to Jim Elliott or Nate Sane or Borden or William Carey. Oh, there, there are people amongst us going to fields and there's great risks. I'm talking about even to their lives. I'm, I'm talking about just Mexico City. I lived in Mexico for nine years. Driving in Mexico City is a great risk. Eating tacos in Mexico City is a great risk. Some of those that had greatest influence in, in my life and calling, brother uh, Bob Johnston, hog farmer just down the road from here, went over to Haiti. Uh, had a wife that was raped by soldiers and his testimony and all that he went through. But yet he said, reaching the region beyond mean that I have to take a great risk. Brother Holmes in Nigeria, Brother Dayton, there in Nicaragua, all those years of civil war and saying, I'm not going to leave. And hundreds of churches were planted as a result because a man said, I'm willing to stretch myself in order to make this happen. Now go with me to John chapter 4. What are we talking about when we reach or try to reach the regions beyond? What, what does this look like? What does this mean? John 4.35. Say not ye, uh, there yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, for they are what? They are white, they're ready, already to harvest. Number one, we have to look, if we're going to reach the region beyond, at the whitest fields. I'm, I'm fearful is 
is Baptist. I, I know we need to reach the 1040 window, and I know we have to reach the entire world. But at the end of the day, when a farmer has worked the fields and he's planted and, and he's, he's worked that soil and he's sown the seed and that crop is ready to be reaped, there's such a short time frame there when things have to happen or that harvest is lost. There's, there's a matter of time there where it doesn't matter that the expense that is paid or the, the lateness of the days or how many hours have to be worked or how many servants have to be hired. The importance is not losing the harvest that is white. And there are white fields, Christian, right now, there are white fields around the world. And for some reason, the Baptists are always the latest to show up. If, if that harvest is not reaped, it's wasted. And when you look at the white harvest fields, I've talked to uh, Brother Sisk and Brent Logan and others about Ukraine. When that wall came down in Russia in the early 90s and the door of opportunity swung open uh, for, for many of those countries, in Germany, the Mormons sent in 44 missionaries. The day the wall came down in Germany, the Mormons sent in 44 missionaries with a million dollars apiece. And the Baptists? The Baptists still preach missions conferences, asking for someone to get called. Rick Weimer's the only one I know that was in the country at the time. I don't think we've sent 44 missionaries to Germany since the wall came down. The field was white. You talk about Ukraine in, in that moment uh, when those stadiums were filled and people were responding. I, I talked to Brandon Logan about his trips to Ukraine and, and someone that's very thorough in giving the gospel. And he said the first time that he preached an auditorium with, with a few thousand people and, and uh, by way of an interpreter had an invitation, he said almost everybody in the building responded. He said, I sent them all back to their seats. I said, go sit down. They didn't understand. I went back through the gospel. I hung them back over hell. I told them about heaven. I preached to him, repent, and I said, and now if you'd like to get born again, he said that more came forward. He said, I told my interpreter, something's wrong here. Set him back down. He said, preacher, I couldn't keep them from responding. But that window was this short. It was this small. And because we failed to jump on a harvest that was white, because it was beyond, and, and two, I, I, I believe in prayer, and I believe we ought to pray more, and I believe the very heart of, of beyond is praying that the Lord of the harvest would send forth more laborers. But I think too often we as Baptists use prayer as a pretext to do nothing at all. Let, let, me, let me pray about that for a couple months. The project is now. The need is right now. The moment is right now. The field is white right now. I believe we're spiritual investors. If, if you talk to an investor, he's not waiting for an investment opportunity to come knock on his door. You know what he's doing? He's out looking for a good investment. Here's what I want to do as a preacher of the gospel looking beyond. I want to be looking for good investments. Investor looking for good real estate investments. I love a good real estate investment. A missionary around the world that has found a good piece of property and the moment is right now and the building is right now and the roof is right now. Amen? That is why that means there's an opportunity and we as Baptists, what, what happened in Russia when, when the wall came down? 
Six months later, the Jehovah Witnesses are baptizing 5,000 converts in Red Square. The Jehovah Witnesses baptizing, where were the Baptists? Waiting for the first missionary to be called to Russia. If we are not looking at the opportunities that are white in the harvest, I believe right now, Ukraine, with everything that's going on, I, I thank God for what this church has done and the, the recent help that's been provided. Hard to believe that Mark Prem is sitting there still in the country helping uh, his people and, and so, so many of those guys, Brother Mayor, Brother Rue, and others uh, that are doing their best in, in the surrounding countries. Brother Hamilton over there in Moldova trying to uh, reach the refugees. Now we're talking about 10 million displaced people, two and a half, three million people crossing those borders. The opportunity is right now. You know what most Baptists are doing? Let's, let's pray about who can, we, who, who can we send next year. The opportunity is not next year. The opportunity for tracks, the openness in the heart of those Ukrainians. I, I, I talked to a college friend that was, that was there for years, now pastoring in New Mexico, and he said, we prayed for two decades that God would bring revival back to the Ukrainians, and suddenly we're seeing uh, hearts that are open to the gospel, but a fear of the risk when the harvest is white, is keeping us from reaping the harvest. The Philippines, Malawi, we're investing a lot right now in Africa, that Uganda, Malawi. Uh, a couple weeks from now, Brother uh, Tom Williams and I will be going back over to, to Malawi. And I've, I've had several of our people pass, why would we invest that much in Malawi? Because the harvest is white. Ready. When you're seeing people this responsive and pastors this hungry and, and, and people searching for the truth, this is when we have to be available to say, let's meet the need, let's step up, let's stand up. Otherwise, the harvest is lost. It's reaped by death or reaped by some false religion. Now go with me to Acts chapter 13 for just a moment. It's not just the widest fields. It's the farthest fields. I love what your pastor said tonight. I want to find some way to get in all 195 countries. I believe that is the Great Commission. Here, this was Paul's heart, Acts 13, verse 47. He knew his calling. For so the Lord commanded us, saying, I set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation. What's it say? unto the ends of the earth. I, uh, years ago, had, had no thought, no thought at all of being involved in missions, went to Bible college. Dr. Sis, 30 years ago, preached a missions conference in Windsor Hills. My wife and I surrendered. I, I can't imagine, I can't imagine the impact of this man 2,000 plus missions conferences preached. The men that have been called into missions during those services, the money that has been raised, and not just the men that have been called to the ministries, but as they go into ministry and they plant churches and they start Bible colleges, and the men called under their ministries, only heaven will tell all of the fruit of that man and his ministry. But when we see... Uh, 
really our goal ought to be unto the ends of the earth, the farthest fields. Paul, it, it boggles my mind when the Bible says he reached all of Asia. Can you imagine what Paul could have done with technology? Can you imagine what Paul could have done? Radio, TV, just transportation. Can you imagine what Paul could have done with a car or a motorcycle? Train tickets. What Paul could have accomplished with a printing press or a Bible. What, what Paul could have done with all of the advantages that we have, and yet he still reached all of Asia. Why? It, it's not what we're lacking. It's a problem with desire and determination and an understanding of our duty uh, to go beyond. I'm thankful for what's going on in Malawi, in Tanzania, in Kenya, in Zimbabwe. But what about Somalia? What about Eritrea? What about Sudan, Algeria, and Mali, and Burkina Faso? What about Chad? What, what about those areas beyond what the Baptists traditionally reach? Look what it says. Go back with us to our text for just a moment. Look what it says in verse. I've lost my text. Look what it says in verse 15 twice. I think if we're going to go beyond, we're going to have to go beyond our own self-deception. Look what it says in verse 15. Not boasting of the things without our measure, that is, what's the next phrase say? Other men's labors. Now go down to verse 16. To preach the gospel in the regions beyond you and not to boast, here it is again, in another man's line of things made ready to our hand. Did you know most of our boastings in reaching the lost is built on another man's labor? When Paul went, what he did and and as a missionary, you know, missionary, when you go to plant a church, you have to pioneer. Usually you don't have uh, the help of another church. Usually you're out in the middle of nowhere and uh, starting alone and standing alone. We've been there in Argentina and Mexico. It's extremely difficult. And it takes a lot of patience and it takes years to get to the place where you've trained leadership and you're reproducing uh, leadership. That takes a long time. And I've also had the advantage in Austin, Texas, of inheriting workers and ministries that were pre-established and buildings that I never had to pay for. Are you with me tonight? Here's what Paul said. If we're going to reach beyond, we can't boast in what other men have done. There are places that are untouched. There are areas we've got to send pioneers we have to look, and we, we build off of what other men have built upon, and I thank God for all of that, and I thank God for the advantages of that, and I even look at my own son and the missionaries that we've sent out and the men that we've trained, and I, I have to look back and say, I'm actually building on another man's work. I can't boast in any of that. But I want to look at a world out there and say there are areas that we just see is too hard because no one else has ever gone there. No one else has ever been able to turn over the soil or plant the seed. No one else has seen a harvest. No one else has built a church. No one else has reached a lost in that community. 
And a lot of what goes on in missions today is boasting on another man's line of work. And Paul said, if we're going to reach beyond, we're going to have to move past our own self-deception where we stand and beat our chest, boasting on another man's line of work and look beyond. Now go with me to Revelation 7 and we'll be done. Revelation 7, verse 9, God's purpose. After this, I beheld, oh, what a scene in heaven, lo, great multitude which no man could number. What's it say? All nations. Once again, God does not exaggerate. People from all 195 nations, kindreds, People in tongues, they stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and palms in their hands, and they cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation, our God, would sit upon the throne and unto the Lamb. How many of you would like to have fruit in that choir? How many of you supported missions last year? You're going to have fruit in that choir. But I, I don't want fruit from 85 nations or 92 nations. I want to take Capital City beyond uh, those regions that have already been reached. I want to go beyond the places that are unreached with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to stretch myself. I want to stretch my family. I want to stretch our church. I want to stretch our faith to such a point where everyone with a heart, not, not a missions-mindedness, but I'm talking about a missions heartedness, the heart of God, where we say, we literally wake up every day and say, God, what can we do today? And God may not call you into ministry, but you can use your business to further the, the cause of Christ in missions and support and send those that are going. You can be the one that's praying beyond. You say, preacher, I, I pray for a continent. I pray for 10 missionaries every day. I, I pray for our missionaries in Asia. Here's what I would do this year. I would determine to go beyond that. Go, go beyond Brazil, and I, it, it, Sean London, what they're doing in the Amazon, if, if we could reach, it's incredible, the, the vision and the burden that they have there and the doors that God's opened through Brother Putney and Jonathan and those, those men getting up into each one of those villages have never heard the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and planting churches. But that Amazon basin extends all the way up to Peru and into to Colombia, and what about Suriname? What about these areas that are untouched? Oh, God, help us be, begin to get on our face and cry out and go beyond the nations that we normally pray for, the missionaries that we normally pray for, and go beyond the giving that we can do in our budget that doesn't affect our lives. And young people, go beyond the plants that mom and dad and your teachers have for you and say, God, if you have a plan for me, that'll take me beyond. I want to be involved in that. I, I want to make sure that, and, and for, the, for the kids, go beyond where we say, I, I love what Brother uh, Wilkerson said and, and the influence of Dr. Sisk here, that every man, I, I, I believe that every single born-again child of God ought to be involved in this work that goes beyond. Amen. The, one of the best days of my marriage, preacher, was when we stopped doing a joint family faith promise and my wife did an individual faith promise to help her faith 
each child. I've told the ladies in our church, as soon as you get pregnant, that you ought to come down here and make a faith promise for that baby. You say, it's not even born yet. We have uh, plates that we put up on the, on the platform on Sundays, and those kids come up. I love, before they even learn to walk, you have parents bringing the kids up to drop their money and trying to teach those kids to let go of a coin or a dollar bill. You just about have to hang them upside down and shake them. And then sometimes when they're old enough to walk up on their own, uh, there's some that'll come up, and as long as their parents not standing around, uh, they'll do the old fake-a-rooney. They'll act like they're putting it in, put it back in their pocket, and head back to their seat. We've seen some come up and take offering out. <laughs> some of you would try it if you knew you could get away with it. Here's, here's what I'm convinced of tonight. When we talk about the master plan, we're talking about God's plan of reaching beyond. And if we're going to have the heart of God outside of the Lord Jesus Christ, there's no one in the New Testament that we see with a greater vision than the Apostle Paul. And here it is summed up in his words, to go to the regions beyond. So let me ask you this tonight. Would you be willing tonight to make a public statement and say, I want this year for our church to be able to go beyond, which means I'm going to have to be stretched. My faith's going to have to be stretched. That may mean that my giving may have to go beyond. My prayer is going to have to go beyond. And young people, would you tonight just remind God here at the altar, God, I want you to know I am willing and I am available. And if you want me in a region beyond, here am I, send me. I think the reason we're not, we're not seeing more young people called, because if any child tried to do that, you have a mom on one side and a dad on the other that would say, don't do it. You've got a future. You've got money to make. You're, too, you're way too high Q to end up on a mission field. Oh, God, pity the Christian that won't participate in a work that goes beyond.